We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. You have to let it all go, Neo. Fear, doubt, and disbelief. Free your mind. I just want to make an impact, a positive impact, on as many people as possible. You gotta want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. When you're down, you might feel like you want to give up. Don't stop. Keep moving. Keep breathing. There's a war on consciousness in our society. There is an awakeness, an awareness that sees it all. And it's in you too. It's in all of us. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. This is the G and Coletti Show. Let's begin. On this episode of the G and Coletti Show, we interview movement specialist Ido Portal. Ido has been a teacher and practitioner in the field of movement for years and has been exploding in popularity, mainly because of his most notable student and UFC featherweight champion, Conor McGregor. In a time when mixed martial arts has somewhat plateaued when it comes to new and disruptive techniques, Ido is bringing fighters back to basics so that they can build a better foundation from which to apply their mastery over their fighting techniques. He pulls insight from dance, capoeira, martial arts, gymnastics, and many other non-conventional methods that can expand and build upon a fighter's current skill level. When I first came across Ido's work, I was very skeptical and I wasn't sure about the entire practice. I mean, I think it's easy to dismiss this movement stuff as some woo-woo hippie bullshit. I mean, who doesn't know how to move? Is it really worth putting in that much effort when there's so many other ways to directly achieve the benefits rather than a movement practice? For example, I could express myself through dance, get in shape at a gym, or expand my consciousness through reading or meditation. Why this? In a time when everyone wants to try out the newest and exciting training machines, supplements, technologies, I believe there's merit in bringing things back to basics. You know, Bruce Lee once said, I fear not the man that practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man that practiced one kick 10,000 times. I take this to mean that you have to be proficient at the basics to truly excel at anything. If our body is a vehicle and we're experiencing life through it, doesn't it make sense to really figure out how these things function? Yeah, I think it makes sense. And I think we need to give ourselves the opportunity just to try new things. When I first you know, heard about Ido Partal, I really just thought about his stuff as increasing your physical abilities. So maybe you can you'd be more flexible, faster reflexes, all these kind of things. But what I didn't really think about was how does being in touch with your body change your intuition, change you know that, that non-physical dimension of awareness that might make you better, that might actually let you have some pre-recognition, you know when the guy's going to hit or strike. And I thought that was very interesting. And he talks a bit about it. There are infinite amount of awareness and state within you. Uh, there is an awareness to, uh, it, it's, it's a little bit like a map. Uh, and, and some people are walking around with a, an old school, a little bit outdated map with the street names kind of wrong. And other people are walking Google Maps, high definition, satellite, uh, super accurate GPS kind of thing. Uh, awareness can be shifted into a lot of different ways. There is not just one awareness. There is an awareness to various states and areas related to your ego. And there is awareness beyond that or behind that, that a lot of spiritual kind of uh, disciplines are looking to, to kind of suppress the ego and be aware of something bigger. So while I find this stuff really interesting, I hate anything that's so subjective. How do you know how in tune you are with your awareness? What level are you at? There's nothing quantified. How do you know if you- I think that's that's one of your problems. Everything needs to be quantified, but it's hard to quantify, I agree. You can tell as it's getting greater or less, or sometimes you'll, 
you'll eat really shitty and you know you'll get off your diet you won't be exercising and you'll just feel like really cloudy sort of thing and then when you're really in tune like things come to you clearer you can you have better intuition whether to make a decision it comes to you faster whether there's that unclarity you know what i mean so i think the way you're describing it sounds a little quantified like it seems like intuition is going to get better so you can basically okay so you don't know where you stand where you where you're i can't say it's 20 percent, but i can say yeah i feel a lot clearer better you know what i mean so you don't know where baseline zero is but you can tell if you're improving or and, and i could tell five years ago when i would when i would meet someone i couldn't really read their energy like i couldn't really tell you know like now i could pick up on someone if i feel like a really clear bright energy or really dark someone's bringing me down okay you heard here ladies and gentlemen she can read energy no 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 i can just pick up on things a little bit better than i could before there are many gates in and definitely movement can can assist with increasing the sensitivity to various states of awareness while searching to move better and learning and and reacting and operating in all kinds of inside all kinds of physical tasks you have to use kinds of states that are not the more common uh, state of being, modern common state of being. And, and that's something that you've experienced. Sometimes in order to achieve, to, to operate in a certain surroundings, in, inside uh, certain demands or situations, there is no, no possibility to do that with our, uh, our more, more used state. And then you will shift your awareness somewhere else and, and use other tools to operate there. And it can happen inside the UFC uh, octagon. It can be in, in, a, in a battle, in war. It can be a car accident. It can be a severe injury. It can be a, your girlfriend breaking up with you and uh, smashing your hearts to bits. It can be a lot of different things. Movement enhances that, brings that into uh, the foreplay and, and kind of exposes all of those different systems and, and states. So Coletti, please translate that into English for me because I didn't 100% understand. I, I sort of got what he's trying to say, but I, I know you really like this. Clip. Yeah, I think I think Ito is highly conceptual, but if you really like take the time to listen to what he's saying, there's a lot of fact and a lot of little tidbits of of genius in there. I'll let you know from my personal experience. When I was healing, obviously, I started doing different things like salsa dancing. Now, I'm not a dancer, I've danced in my life. I started swimming, I started doing kettlebell, all these different type of movements. And it, I think it opened up different parts of my personality, my creativity. For instance, someone that wants to write does this thing called The Artist's Way. A lot of like really popular movie scripts were written with this. And it has this task once a week where you have to do something called The Artist's Date. We have to do something by yourself, something odd, something just to expand your frame of reference. So it's got to be something that you would never do before. So I think that also applies to what Ido's talking about. If you never danced and you move in that way, your body will follow suit. Like, can't you, I understand you agree? these different movements can open up a different sort of aspect of yourself, which, which makes a lot of sense. And I wonder if Ido's actually mapping it out. Are there different movements that open up different parts or is it just doing something different? It's like, you never know what you're going to get. You might just feel a deeper connection to yourself and then be able to express yourself in different ways. I find it I interesting. I like where you're going with this. Yeah. You want like a legend or a roadmap that I know that's, will open up yeah, some part yeah. of you. I know that's what the Coletti manual says. So let, if you let want, me get, if you salsa want means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a better businessman. Exactly. Business we'll reverse engineer it. So if you want a desired result, you can actually do that movement and you'll uh, you'll get that improvement so in your character. Were you targeting anything specific when you signed up for salsa? Because I know it's a bold move for you to go to a salsa dancing class. I was just trying to try something new. I figured, you know, if you want to become something you've never been before, you got to try something you've never done before. I'm pretty sure I didn't make that up. I heard that somewhere. <laughs> Shaking done kind of under from outside or from inside is very, very common in, in the animal kingdom. And also within us, it kind of 
was pushed into more of a neurological pathologies or issues or psychological traumas. But the fact that we've suppressed this habit of uh, shaking, shaking trauma away, shaking pain away, shaking injuries away, shaking ourselves into movement, we've suffered a lot of the consequences. And that's something that I employ in my practice and something that I teach and use for, for a few years now. Some animals will shake a whole night. After a certain episode, some animals, uh, when, when encountering sickness or an injury, will shake until better. Some animals will use shaking for certain developmental pieces in their physical evolution. And that's something that we, we should also use. And kids, kids do that sometimes, intuitively. They'll shake and you'll see them kind of singing to themselves and shaking the body with the intuition that it feels good. And that feel-good thing is the way of nature making sure you do what you should be doing for your development. It's very relevant, as I said, for injuries. It's extremely relevant for traumas. And if you don't do that and you suppress it, eventually the body will shake, will create what is called the neurogenic tremor, an inside shake to get rid of certain, certain issues. Now, I know firsthand about your intuition being heightened after a trauma. You know, after my accident, I was craving certain foods at certain times, say the fats and proteins when I was putting back on muscle that I had lost or I was working out really hard or carbs, say like the day before, before I was going to work out. And I felt like I was really in tune with my body. And I think that's your, I guess your, your, your body kind of taking over and giving you signs to let you know what you need to heal. It's giving you the kind of the, the ingredients, this formula. Also in terms of, of swimming, I felt this intuitive feeling that I had to jump into water, which people thought was crazy because I had scars and it was going to take forever before I could jump into a bath of, of chlorine and, and bacteria. But I think that really was instrumental in me healing. And I really think that that was, you know, my intuition giving me the real formula to come back from the dead almost yeah i think this whole shaking thing does have a lot of merit obviously you know the animals in the wild do it if, if you're familiar with that you know like the antelope gets chased by a lion and if it escapes the attack it'll go lie down somewhere and shake or if you're a hunter you'll know that sometimes if you shoot a deer and it's not dead yet it'll be shaking trying to sort of release the trauma but i wonder with humans like with seizures and stuff like that is that the body trying to sort of heal itself from some kind of overload maybe something's building up in your system or something not right and the body's trying to fix it what do you think? It, it would make sense that it's almost it's similar to fainting or even uh, someone being knocked unconscious in, in boxing or in a sport. It's kind of your body telling you you had enough, trying to basically take you out of a situation Autopilot. or give you some sign. Yeah, control. It's like, I'm taking over. Yeah, an override system internally. Huh, I wonder. We'll have to look into that more. So Ido has a very controversial view on, uh, on vegetarianism and veganism. And everybody here, especially Giovanni, really wanted to get into it with him and get his viewpoints so they can disprove or, I guess, have their rebuttals ready. I, I think you were more excited because over here, you're kind of outnumbered on the whole vegan versus meat eating front. So I think you were excited to get someone else to back up defense of the meat eating or the attack on the ve vegan diet. Okay, let's hear what Ido's got to say about this. Veganism is far from optimal for most people, in my experience, just working with a lot of people, having exposure to large crowds, thousands, tens of thousands of people all over the world. I've been on the road for six years and I've been working for 20 years teaching people. So I, I have my experience, which I draw upon and I have my research. And definitely vegan diets are um, not something I would recommend. And of course, there are uh, many individuals out there that would still able to operate on very high levels with a vegan diet, 
uh, just like there are individuals who can operate and be world champions. I had a guy in the military served with me that was uh, running two kilometer runs in under six minutes and was waiting for us to finish our runs while smoking, you know, a pack of cigarettes. Does it mean I'm going to start smoking to improve my endurance? Far from it. Yeah, as for the ethical uh, argument, I think uh, th that is a pretty weak argument as well. And I uh, recommend a book that I've been reading lately, a very interesting book. It's called A Critique of the Moral Defense of Vegetarianism. And it's by Andrew F. Smith. Highly recommend this book. So uh, all in all, uh, I am I'm not uh, impressed with the vegan uh, approach. I respect it. I respect those who try to to do their best and use any approach, really, that they see fit by their education, capacity to understand and to use. But I definitely wouldn't recommend it uh, to my students when they come in and are looking for um, a starting point. So I, I don't know about Ido on this one. Obviously, I don't agree. He says that he has tens of thousands of case studies of how he's seen vegans and he knows that they're weaker. You know, has he ever met guys like Frank Medrano or the German strongman Patrick Bubumian, Bubumian, whatever the heck his name is? He's one of the strongest men in the world. Is a complete vegan. So there are people who are functioning very well in a vegan diet. Maybe some people are not doing the diet right. But to use his own example, just because someone smokes cigarettes and is a good two-kilometer runner, just because someone eats meat doesn't make them, it's not the meat that maybe is making them stronger. I think I think both of your your defenses are a little bit anecdotal. You're just going, kind of going off like one-offs, like here and there. Well, like, just many, because the strongest examples. guy. Just because, specifics. Like, like, yeah, exactly. Just because you said the strongest guy in the world is a vegan doesn't mean that everybody should There's be multiple vegan. multiple UFC fighters. Or just because. In every, in, every, in every sport, there are guys that are defying the odds with veganism as being their diet that they're they're performing at a high level. Okay, again, these are just like one-offs. But he also, he mentions that people have done blood tests and the blood tests of vegans. Test. I didn't hear that. The, the clip, yeah, it's not in that particular clip, but he does mention blood tests of a vegan versus uh, a non-vegan or meat. And what or did the paleo. blood tests say? And he said the vegans uh, score very poorly. I can look up the clip. Score on what? What do you test on a blood blood test? Maybe low B12? But is that an indicator of your overall health? Absolutely not. Just because somebody's on your bloodstream doesn't mean that, you know, he you're says not you're, you're lacking in minerals and, and, and vitamins and minerals. There's, there's some type of deficiencies. I believe... Um, I want to say vitamins and minerals aren't probably exactly what a, a vegan can get. I think it's the amino acids is where things are a bit of an issue or some hormones that are, are found in you meat. You get all your, I think, I think a lot of vegans don't do the diet properly. They just switch, they, they cut out the meat and they'll just eat carbs all day. And I think that's where a lot of them go wrong. But I see a lot of meat eaters that have horrible diets as well. That are so not now healthy. the vegans are turning on the vegans. Because everybody no, says, if you want, I if you want to argue with somebody, find the You can vegan. have a bad diet no matter what kind of diet you're doing. And you can eat properly no matter what kind of diet you're doing. I think... Okay, with that being said, do you find it's difficult to, to follow a vegan diet and do it properly? No. I think if you educate yourself, it's very easy. I think if you just try so you to... you think it's an education issue rather than it, it's just... All diets are an education a, issue. No, but you need a certain level of discipline. I wouldn't say all diets are education. A lot of them are your own are diet yourself. You're falling for your own. Uh, your own diet yourself. Your own, urgings, not research. Your not... urgings and cravings. So you can know the information. A lot of people know the information, but is it difficult to follow it? Like obviously, you're eating stuff that's not as calorically dense, other than like nuts and stuff. Do you find it difficult to get the calories? Like one of the criticisms of veganism is that people get thin. Do you find that that's because it's difficult to get a lot of calories without eating meat? I would say it's not because they're vegan. I would say probably it's because they're not eating enough calories. Okay, but they're not eating enough calories because they're vegan. 
A lot of people who are vegan are very particular on what they eat in general because they're health conscious, so they won't eat anything. They won't eat chips either. They won't eat a lot of things that other people would consume as calories that didn't care as much. I think this question is a lifelong debate. I just don't think him saying, I've had tens of thousands of people that I know are less strong. I think that's bullshit because there's people that are just as strong that are vegan. Look in the animal kingdom. No, I think you can't critique him there because maybe that's his experience. You can't say that the 10,000 people that he dealt with, that he's lying and that that's not a correct interpretation. You think of his he own, went and asked each one what their diet was when, when he met them? Or you think he met a couple of vegans that sort of gave him a stereotype that he then applied to him actually interacting with tens of thousands of people. Well, no, every single person that came to the event, uh, he would ask if they're vegan or meat No, eater. that's my point exactly. He knows that they're vegan, but he doesn't know that they're probably the vegans are doing it right. So if he's comparing people that eat a paleo diet and they're eating things properly versus a vegan that was not eating properly, you know, it still would be his experience. I think you could be just as strong, if not stronger, as a vegan versus someone who eats meat. Look at the animal kingdom, the elephants, one of the most powerful animals there. Do you want to be as strong as an ox? An ox eats nothing but grass. I personally don't like that one. I know we hear, about, we hear about gorillas and stuff. We, we're not built like them. Just compare human to human. Again, I'm not, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. I know this, this argument can go on absolutely forever. Uh, it's probably one Okay, so let's end it here. I think we've put enough points into this okay. one. Let's move on to the next. For those of you that don't know, when I mentioned my injury in my arm, I wasn't able to move my arm for nine months. It was completely paralyzed, including my hands and fingers. The only thing I was left with now is inability to point. Given you know how far I came, it's not that big a deal. You know, Ito's the, the master of movement, so I figured who better to ask about learning or regaining an ability to move than the movement master himself, and give me some pretty interesting tips in trying to connect or increase your you know my neuroplasticity. And I think anybody could use it for anything from a sport to uh, really anything that you wanted to learn that you're not able to do now. Check it out. There are many things, many things that uh, one can pursue and attempt and try. And I, ha I have uh, some experience working with people uh, in similar circumstances. And, uh, but I will give you a, an interesting direction, actually. Something that I recently learned from a very interesting martial artist I've, I've worked with. And, and that's uh, investing some time into forming the impression the impression of the movement. And that's something that many people are not really aware of. So, for example, when you point a finger at something, there is a certain signature to the movement, a certain impression that takes hold in, in the nervous system. And it is an impression that will kind of appear when you're performing the movement and when you're observing others performing the movement. Hence, what would be the approach when you can't perform the movement? It would be to watch others do it. And actually being very repetitive and almost obsessed with getting that impression back would be a huge piece in starting the whole process of recovering that movement aspect and probably sits in the heart of the, the neuroplasticity concept. And you can do that by simply using the human archive of videos that is called YouTube and opening it up and starting to review impressions of the movements that you want, you wish to learn. And you can use that. I use this with fighters. I, you, I use, you can use this with acrobatics. You can use this with whatever you want to do. And actually, elite level athletes are using it. Some of them are calling it mental training or visual training. But what they are really doing is they are enhancing and engraving certain impressions for later use. And that's where I would start to go. To be honest, I disagree with Ido on a lot of different topics, but this one here is bang on. When I developed my you know, ability to move my arm, what really resonated with me is when he mentions how obsessive you have to be and just developing that 
you know, if you couldn't move your hands and you had to explain to someone like to move your hand, what, what does that mean? Like what, how would you describe that? How would you describe what muscles are you actually firing to say cock back to, to cock back your wrist? And it's just that visualization, just trying to connect with whatever that feels like. And I feel like as soon as you crack that code, you know, the, the hand will actually move. Yeah, I think too, as a human species, once we see something as possible, think that, okay, if someone can do it, then maybe anyone can do it, right? So seeing it happen in a video, seeing someone do a move, you know, picturing yourself, visualizing yourself doing the movement, just believing that it's possible is is already half the battle. And I know, you know, we talked about this in another podcast, but like the four minute mile is a great example. It's like, it was impossible to be done, but as soon as it was possible, as soon as one person did it, I think the next year, 30 people did it. The after that, 300 people did it. Whereas three years prior to the 300, it was impossible. But as soon as people knew something could be done, and whether it's visually or just seeing a video of someone doing that three minute mile, automatically your brain says, okay, we can do this. This is possible. And then more people. Do. A lot of these strategies are already used in sports, especially in the UFC. Books are written about it. You know, they refer to it as the theater of your mind. Your brain can't tell between your imagination and reality. So say like a UFC fighter, George St. Pierre, when you see him going to the ring and he spits the water in the air or he, he touches the middle of his chest and the back of his neck, where he even visualized winning a fight and he visualizes himself doing that movement before the fight. So he can really, it almost feels like deja vu, like he's done it before, even though he's never been there. And it'll just, that'll help him win that fight. So now I don't know if I agree 100% with Ido Portal. I think he comes off as a little bit, you know, interesting character. Let's just leave it at that. He's unique. Yeah. But I think there is some merit into what he's saying. And after doing the interview, I sort of focused a little bit on my own movement, trying to move a little bit more. And he, he gave us two moves that he said were the basics that uh, everyone should do. And one of them was just strictly hanging from a, a bar, like a chin up bar. And the other one was sort of just, you know, getting about a little bit further than shoulder width apart and then just bringing your butt all the way down to the floor and like a, a sitting sort of motion and just move your butt around and just, just move like that. And then, you know, when I do meditation, when I'm always moving on, I'm always just being conscious of my body and I really noticed uh, a lot of differences. So I would just suggest to you guys is start being conscious of whenever you're doing something, just move your body in different ways. When you dance, when you're moving, lie down on the floor and just stretch and move and just really feel your body and try to move it in different ways and uh, just be conscious of it and you'll notice some big differences. I definitely encourage anybody to check out Ido Portal and his work. You know, he, and he's not without a lot of criticism and maybe that's why he's a little tested you know, he kind of gave us a little shit a few times and corrected us yeah, quite a few I, I times. I think Ant's going to roast him a bit. He's been talking about just... <laughs> he, he criticized us a few times in the podcast or in the initial uh, interview. So I'm a big fan of the Fighter and the Kid podcast. It's crazy popular. And Brendan Schwab, who's a used to be a UFC fighter, you know, he thinks it's bullshit. And this is a guy that's a top 10 fighter. And, you know, you figure he should know. And, and Conor was he McGregor, ever number one? Conor was he ever number one, Brendan Schwab? He wasn't, but he's pretty damn good. You know, there's a lot of fighters in the world and he was at the top. And, you know, Conor McGregor was really good even before he met Ido Portal. Can you yes, talk about his point. success to Ido Portal? That's a tough one. You know, it's a tough one. Now, I'm not trying to roast him because I think he's, a, he's incredible. I think he has a lot of good things to add. But sometimes things get highly, highly conceptual. And I think people romanticize and you're not subscribing to it. Is that what you're about to say? I'm not subscribing. <laughs> that was a line used a few times, which, um, you know, is, is it the question is, is it going above our heads? Is, it, is he talking about something we just can't understand now? Or is he just kind of going off the deep end? What do you believe? 
I don't know, you know, some people they'll, they'll go off the deep end and they'll create a product that is so different that he'll get people to subscribe to it. But a so lot are of- Are you trying to say some false guru? That's what it sounded like. Some people do that, I'm saying. But I think his following speaks to themselves. There's a lot of people are huge Edo fans that go to the movement classes. I think movement in itself is, is a big thing. And I, I think there is something there. I think you can enhance your life and your, enhance your athleticism through using movement practice. I think there's merit to it. I pride myself on having a pretty good ability for detecting bullshit. I've had the unfortunate experience of meeting so many scammers in my life, and I have to be honest, this is the real deal. Learning how to move our bodies in different ways opens up new realms of possibility in not just the physical sense, but in the mental and spiritual way as well. I think Ito's concepts are simple on a superficial level, but really complex and not easily understood once you dive deeper. And to be honest, I have a similar experience while listening to Deepak or Eckhart. It just takes a while to really get it. And I think he sits on that fine line between being considered crazy and genius. But I plan to explore this movement culture further and hopefully get him out to Toronto. So don't be surprised if you see me doing a one-armed handstand one day.